for as you know, my name is Ryan Croft. I'm the manager at Hilltop, and I want to tell you thank you. Uh, I love getting to come to East Columbus Christian Church. I love getting to visit all our churches, but when I come here, there is that special connection because I know that it is because of this church that Hilltop exists. And I love Hilltop. It's one of my favorite things, and it's something that I am happy to talk hours about endlessly. And so to get to come back to you guys, because I know that the love for Hilltop is so deeply rooted here, and I appreciate that, and I appreciate all that you do. It is your support, your continued support, that enables us to continue to do the ministry that we do to reach young people with the gospel message, helping them to start or go deeper in their relationship with Christ. And we can only do that because of the support that we receive. Over the last two years, a big area of our focus for the camp, with the, for our leadership, our board, has been eliminating as much debt as possible, and especially the revolving debt that camp had. And since the beginning of 2020, we have paid down over $72,000 in debt. In the midst of a pandemic and everything else, God has done amazing. And I love being able to share that with our churches because I know that so many have uh, stood by us with that. Our only remaining debt is our mortgage. Um, that is down to 138000 and we are working very diligently to get rid of that as fast as possible. This past summer, we were able to come back to camp after having to miss a year because of the pandemic. And this past summer, we saw 525 campers at camp, which is more than we had had in several years. But of that, the most, the most amazing thing is of those 525 campers, 34 of them gave their lives to Christ and were baptized at camp last summer. That is worthy of celebration. There are many more who talked to the deans and the adults about getting, getting baptized and went home to talk more with their churches or went home to get baptized at their churches. So uh, that number is even more than we know from that. But I am so excited because that is why we do the ministry we do, is to see young people connected to Christ. And even if we just had one in the summer, it is worth it. But to see so many young people respond is amazing. At our annual fundraiser that we held this past year in October, we introduced our 2022 project list. And what it is, is kind of a list of safety and security uh, items that we were looking to complete this year. It included all kinds of needed upgrades, repairs, improvements. And I've, there are cards back on our table if you want to know more information about that. But, but one of the big things it did is allowed us to really kind of uh, prepare camp for what's going to happen next. Um, that list is about $150,000 worth of things that we we're doing this summer or this year. And I can tell you that we've already raised over half of that. And we've already got almost the majority of those projects at least started. Uh, and many of them almost completely completed and will be finished by the time camp comes around. But the way we're doing it is, is one of the big goals for our board is that we don't want new debt. We're trying to get rid of debt. We don't want more debt. So every one of these projects, we are doing them as the funding comes in. And only as the funding comes in for that. This is the same way that we built our zip line last year was because we raised the money. Once we had the money, we completed the project. And we're working this year as we get these other projects done. Our plan now is this year, we've been working through the year. Our board has been working to develop our strategic plan. And we're going to be introducing in October the, the plans for the future of Hilltop. 
So what is our, what's our new strategic goal going to be? What is our direction going to be? What are we going to add? How are we going to grow? Because we are expecting our growth to continue for the next several years. This summer, we are estimating about 650 campers will come to camp, which is more than we've seen at camp in a summer in a decade. And I am excited with what God is doing. There are a lot of new churches, a lot of new uh, churches that are kind of revitalizing their connection to Hilltop, and we are seeing that grow because summer camp is still vital. Summer camp is still important. We provide a place where young people can disconnect from the busyness of the world, all the things that are distracting them, pulling at them, and causing them to, to look other ways. We give them the opportunity for 120 hours to disconnect from that and to be surrounded by people who want nothing more than to show them the love of Christ. Adults, volunteers who do nothing that week except for everything they can to point those young people to Christ and who he can be in their lives. Camp is vital and important, and we want to continue to see that push forward. We are still looking for a couple more summer staff, if you know anyone that is looking to work this summer. And we're looking for someone to, uh, to work full-time to help kind of to help run our kitchen this summer. So we're looking for that lead person to come in the kitchen. And that person doesn't actually have to stay on camp. They can come and go every day. That's a 40-hour-a-week job is what we're looking for there. Um, and we're also still looking for a dean for our wilderness icebreaker camp. And so uh, I'd like to share those needs that we have. And then especially I want to invite you to come out to a few of our events coming up. The May 14th workday that you saw mentioned earlier um, is coming up in just a few weeks. And we need as many hands as we can to get all the final touches to get everything ready for camp for this summer for our campers. We also have a scrapbook retreat coming up this next weekend. Um, and we just finished yesterday, and I know many of the ladies here were there, our women's retreat. And it was an amazing uh, time, and the women had an awesome time with that. I think it was great. Uh, 107 women came out for that, so it was a really good turnout for that. Then the other big events are, we have our uh, May 3rd, we are doing our first ever leadership day at Hilltop. And this is an opportunity for us to give back to our churches. We've invited Dr. Carlos Gupton to come in. He is the head of the DMIN program at uh, Lipscomb University, and he spent the last couple decades involved in helping churches develop leadership um, and helping churches to, uh, to move forward and to grow and to restructure where needed. So he is uh, extremely knowledgeable in leadership in the church, in the Christian church, in the churches of Christ, and he's going to be focusing that day on sharing about, um, and he's got a fancy title that sounds really good, but essentially he is going to be talking about how do we move forward with the church in the post-pandemic world now. Now that this is coming to a close, what do we do to bring the church forward in spite of this? And so we want to make this an opportunity for any and everyone in our churches to come and attend that. The cost for that is $35, however, for our member churches, supporting churches like East Columbus, you call the church office, we will give our camp office, we'll give you a code, and you get $10 off of that. So it's only $25, which basically is just to, to cover the cost of food and the cost of having him out there. Um, and we want to do these kind of things to give back to you. And then finally, our family day is coming up on May 21st. And if you have a new camper or if you want to just come out and experience camp because you haven't been out there in a while... Uh, this is a great opportunity to do that. It's a great opportunity for new campers to come and see the camp, for you to come out and see the dorms, to see the buildings. Everything will be opened up. We'll have it all so that people wander through and see it. We'll have the zip line open. We'll have our Giants Week open, and the pool will be open that day. And then there will be a lot of great food and a big fish fry that we'll do that day. So it's a great opportunity to come out and check out camp. This summer, as you can see by the shirts that everybody is wearing up here, we have our theme for the summer. 
And our theme this summer is identity. And we're focusing on this this summer because there is this, in our culture today, there is a pull and a drive that is dealing with the identity of who we are. And our young people are facing constantly all of these different things, pulling at them, telling them what their identity should be, how they should fit into this box or that box, or, or don't worry about what be, they say here, you need to do this, you need to do this. So there's all these things that are confusing us about our identity. So this summer, we want to focus on that and allow and help to see and show our young people what that truly means for them. And I want to share with you about that this morning in my sermon. I want us to look at the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1. This is a letter written by Paul to the church at Ephesus. And Paul is writing to encourage and strengthen the church. But before he can get into the meat of what he wants to talk about through the book of Ephesians, he first takes time to remind them of how they've been blessed and then to remind them of what God has done for them and most importantly, to remind them who they are. Our summer theme comes from 1 Peter 2.9, which says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. And that verse right there helps to answer that question. I don't know if that's me that's making it so bad or what. But I hear it crackling. I hope it's not me. I have a bad habit of hitting the pack, so I, yeah. So this verse answers, gives a good, clear answer to that question. And the most important thing to know is that you are God's possession, that we belong to him. And so the question I want to ask you today, the question I want you to put in the back of your head or to be thinking about as I go through this message this morning is, who are you? Who are you? It's a simple question, and we think, well, that's, that's an easy question to answer. I know for me, there's a lot of ways I could answer that question. I'm Ryan Croft from the branch of the Florida Crofts that, that found their way over from England via South Carolina down to Florida. I could tell you I'm a husband, I'm a son, I'm a father, I'm a brother, I'm a pastor. I'm a camp manager. I could go on and on to all these things that kind of have titles that describe a bit of me, but they don't really answer the question of who I am. There's an actor, he's not around much anymore, but one of my favorite actors is a guy named Jackie Chan. And he did all these these great action movies, but one of the movies that he did, the movie is titled, Who Am I? And the entire movie is him trying to answer that question about his life. He, he wakes up in Africa with amnesia. He doesn't know where he is or how he got there. And so he spends the entire movie trying to struggle with that question of, of who he is and what is his purpose? What is he doing? Why is he there? And while I'm pretty sure that nobody in here has amnesia, if we're honest, we all struggle with that question every now and then. Who are we? What is my purpose? What am I actually doing or achieving? What is my value in this world? What have I done that makes a difference? What other people see me? Who do they say that I am? What do they look at me and see? 
Well, when Paul wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus, he started the letter by addressing that answer to that question. He wanted to make sure that the Christians in Ephesus recognized who they were first so that they could then act on the other things that he wanted them to know and to do. And so turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 6. Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. After making his greeting at the beginning of the letter, Paul says this to God's holy people in Ephesus. What he's telling them and what he is telling us is, God chose you and he chose me. He said, I know, and you can insert your name here. He says, I know you. You're going to be born on this day. And he says, I chose them to be my child, to be mine. And when they hear my voice and come to me, then they will be holy and blameless and pure. God says to you, I will give my grace and love, a love that you will never fully understand or appreciate or even really know. But God says you will have it. Even when you don't believe that you have that love, God says it is yours. Even when you don't want to acknowledge God, God says, I am with you. Too often, we draw our identity from how others see us, from what our friends want us to be, who they want us to be, from who our family tells us that we're supposed to be, or who society tries to tell us we're supposed to be. We worry so much about what others people think about us that we make that the thing that determines who we are. We get so worried about what other people think that we go try to change and shape ourselves to fit who they think, who they want us to be, who we think they want us to be, so that we can be accepted and connected. We can so easily become sheep and follow after what everyone else is saying that we should do instead of recognizing who we are. There's that human part of us that deeply craves reassurance and acceptance. We desire to be in community with other people to the extent that we will do anything we can to make sure that we get that connection with other people to the point of becoming who we think they want us to be for them to accept us instead of focusing on who we truly need to be. And if we do that, then we become vulnerable to deception and manipulation. See, if we don't know who we are, then we'll believe everything everyone else tells us who we are. We'll find ourselves trying so hard to find acceptance that we will be anything that will fill that need. Back in Exodus, when Moses is being called to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, uh, Moses uh, asks God a question because 
God says to Moses that I'm calling you to do this. And Moses makes this, asks him this question in uh, Exodus 3, verse 11. He says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? This is Moses that we look back and we read about all the amazing things that he did, how he went before Pharaoh, how God used him to bring the plagues down on Egypt, that God used Moses to bring the people out of Israel to part the Red Sea, to take them all the way to the promised land, to do all these mighty and amazing things that can only be done because of God. And yet when we look at where Moses is at the beginning of this, Moses' question to God is, who am I? Who am I to do this? I really can relate to that. Because there has been so many times in my life that I've struggled with that question. When I've asked God, who am I to do this? Who am I to do anything? God, I'm nothing. I'm nobody. Who am I? Well, then we have to stop and focus and look at that question and make it real in our lives. I've got a best friend that I've had for almost 30 years now that he and I have been friends. We met at a small college in North Georgia that we were both attending, and we've just, we've been in and out of our lives ever since that time. Well, several years ago, I was visiting him. Uh, We were at his house on vacation, hanging out with him, and he had to go by his church and uh, pick something up, so I went with him. We stopped. He was doing whatever he would, and I popped into his pastor's office to say hi and talk to him because I'd gotten to know him over a few years. And so as I was talking to him, I noticed something on his desk. And it was these little temporary tattoos that they had made for their kids' program, their VBS program that summer. And what it said on it caught my attention. And it was a simple phrase, and I've shared this phrase now a lot, especially as I've been talking about our summer theme. And it simply is this. I am who the great I am says I am. I am who the great I am says I am. And what I mean by that is, I am who God says I am. If you don't remember anything else today, please remember and hold on to that statement. See, as Moses is struggling with his identity and questioning who he is, he asks God another question. A few verses later, in verse 13, Moses says to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell him? And God gives him this answer. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God tells Moses his name is I am. So when I make that statement, I'm saying to you, I am who the great I am says I am. God could have told Moses so many things of who he was. But what he tells Moses, he says very simply, I am. And that is such a bold answer that no other person can give other than God. Because anything you look at, anything you ask, it's very simple for God to answer that question. You say, what does love look like? God says, I am. 
What does grace and mercy and forgiveness look like? God says, I am. See, God is everything. He is the complete thing. And we need to recognize that our identity comes from God and God alone. Our identity comes from God, so this is where we should find the answer to the question of who am I? I am who the great I am says I am. Well, we continue to look in Ephesians. In verse 7, Paul says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. The in, here, in, the in him here refers to Christ. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood. We have forgiveness for our sins through Christ's sacrifice. We have these things. Through God, Christ, God accepts us as we are and guides us to be who he designed us to be. So you don't have to worry about what anybody else thinks about you or says about you. The only thing that matters is that when we give our life to Christ, we are redeemed and forgiven and accepted by God. In Christ, we have new knowledge of the mystery that's plagued the world, especially the Israelites for centuries. See, the Israelites were the, the ones who saw the first revealing of this mystery when God gave them instructions for how to sacrifice for their sins, how to push the guilt of those sins down the line. But that sacrificial system, that beginning thing, wasn't the plan God had. It wasn't the whole picture. That wasn't the mystery that he was waiting to reveal. Jesus was that mystery. Jesus was the thing that God was leading up to. His death is the tool, the salvation through him, the plan that God had intended. Jesus dying on the cross was the next step in that plan, the next step towards its fulfillment. What we're waiting for now is just the actual uh, fulfillment in which Christ returns and removes all the barriers between us and God that still remain. All the things that now separate us from God and each other are going to be removed. And that is what God's plan is, is that he's leading to. If you look back through the entire Bible, you can start at the very beginning of the Bible and everything in the Old Testament, everything through all of the Old Testament is pointing in one direction. It is slowly God introducing and revealing himself to bring him to the point where Christ enters the world, where God comes in the flesh and says, here I am. And so the entire New Testament or Old Testament points to God coming in Christ. And then the rest of the Bible, all the rest of the New Testament, then points back to that point, that apex, that central moment, and says, because of Christ, this is now what our lives look like, and this is what, how we should live, and this is what that means for us. So the entire Bible is pointing us to Christ, and that is the most important thing. So God is trying to bring us to that point of where he will separate us from all the things of sin that exist in this world. Death, 
will no longer exist. Hate will no longer exist. Pain will no longer exist. The true way that God intended for us to be will finally happen. Well, then Paul continues in verse 11. He says, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Paul goes on to tell us that we are chosen through Christ to be part of this plan. And because you have chosen to accept Christ into your heart, to commit your life to him, you're marked with a seal, the Holy Spirit, that promise, it's a guarantee that says we'll spend eternity in heaven. We are God's possession. We belong to him. I don't know if you fully understand the gravity of that statement, the overwhelming, amazing meaning of this. You and I, who are doomed in sin, destined to death, and separated from God, we now have forgiveness from sin. We are connected to God through Christ so that when we leave this earth, we will join him in heaven where we'll spend eternity in God's presence. We're talking about a time when we will no longer suffer any illness, pain, sadness, grief, loss, or hurt. A time when we'll feel all that brokenness that we know now will be gone and all we'll know is love. Love from our Father, love from each other, love of ourselves. All this is what Paul is trying to remind the Ephesians about before he even gets into speaking and talking about what he wrote them that letter for. He knew that before they were ready to look towards being a united church and what that meant to be one in Christ that he talks about later in Ephesians, that they had to understand what God has done for them and what that means for them. Something that can only come through Christ is being a child of God. I tell people all the time, we, I, I've had to do many funerals uh, in my ministry, and one of the things I share with people at these funerals is I said, you know, we, we talk about the fact that this person who's died has left the land of the living and gone on to the land of the dying. But the reality really is that those of us that are here, we are in the land of the dying. We're waiting to go into the land of the living. This is not the final point for us. This is only where we are temporarily until that time that those who know Christ, who are God's possession and have given their lives to Christ, move into that future. Because of sin, our bodies are flawed and they are dying. You may be young and not feel it. Or you may be older and you say, yep, I feel it. I can tell you that it seems like almost every month, every year, uh, I more and more feel the fact that I'm getting older. I always joke and tell people, and it's not really a joke, actually. I honestly don't always remember how old I am. And people always ask how old you are, and I have to stop and actually think about it because I really don't track. I've just been, I spent most of my life telling people I was 25. 
I mean, even up into my late, into my mid-40s, I'm like, yeah, I'm 25. I, I stopped right there. That's just where I stopped counting. But now that I'm getting closer to the end of the 40s, really close to the end of the 40s, I'm starting to feel a little bit. I'm starting to have to face the reality that, you know, my body's starting to hurt a little bit and getting a little broken. And it's there to remind us that this world is not the end, but it is only the place that we were dwelling, holding on to the promise of our salvation, knowing that as we continue to get weaker, that yes, eventually my life here will end, but because of my identity in Christ, I know that there's a promise of eternal life, that we have new life in Christ. It just hasn't reached its fulfillment yet. Every day, we need to live our lives and recognize that we are who God says we are. So who are you? I asked you that question at the beginning. I hope that you can answer that question a little better. And if nothing else, with that simple statement, I am who the great I am says I am. So I want to share with you before I wrap up, who does God say you are? And these are some great spots where God shares with us. In John 1, he says, you are a child of God. John 15 says, you are a friend of Jesus. Romans 8 says, you are an heir with Christ. 2 Corinthians says, you are a new creation. Galatians says, you are free. Ephesians says, you are holy and blameless. Later in Ephesians, it says, you are righteous and holy. Colossians says, you are complete. Isaiah says, you do not live in fear. Philippians says, you have peace. Romans 6 says, you are alive in Christ. 2 Corinthians says, you are an ambassador for Christ. Matthew 5 says, you are the light of the world. But the most important of these, I believe, is Colossians 3. that says, you are greatly loved. I am who the great I am says I am. We find our identity in Christ and not anything else. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about you. It doesn't matter what anybody else in the world or who they try to tell you that you're supposed to be. The only thing that matters is that our identity is found in Christ. God tells us who we are. He says that I am his. I'm his possession. I want to pray for you using the verse Ephesians 18 and 19. So would you pray with me? And I want to read this first because this was Paul's prayer and I think it's very appropriate. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Father God, I just ask, Lord, that you would help us to turn to look to you. God, help us to see you as the thing that matters most in our life. That, God, we draw our identity from you and you alone. God, help us to find our way back and point our lives to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you this morning. See, all of this that I'm sharing with you, this whole idea of finding your identity in God only works if you can find your identity in God.
That means that you have to start and have that relationship with God. So the first step, the first thing that you have to do is if you haven't given your life to Christ, that's the first place you have to begin. And so I would encourage you, if you're here this morning and you have never made that decision, take some time this morning to talk to Ron or one of the leaders here and get that first step done in your life. Because your identity can't be rooted in Christ until you belong to God and you've given your life to him. And I would tell you, maybe if you're here this morning and you, you are a Christian, but you've allowed your life to stray and to focus and to allow other things to try to point and guide and, and tell you who you are, and you've allowed yourself to get distracted away from focusing on God, this is the morning to take a few moments to pray and just say, God, help me to realign my life to point back to you. If you need prayer this morning, Grab one of the leaders, grab somebody and take a few minutes and let them pray with you over whatever is going on in your life. We are a family that is connected to each other because of Christ. And so we need to lift each other up through those times and struggles in our life.